This week's movie is The Birdcage. The film was directed by Mike Nichols and stars Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Here's the IMDb logline. A gay cabaret owner and his drag queen companion agree to put up a false straight front so that their son can introduce them to his fiancé's right-wing, moralistic parents. Now, if that sounds satirical to you, it is. It's a farcical, satirical, crazy comedy. But you know what? It's also about love. It's about loving your family because, God damn it, you have to. It's about finding acceptance in the hardest places. And this movie is so encouraging in showing us characters who just strive for acceptance and for love. And it is a gem. Ladies and gentlemen, The Birdcage. Okay. Kelly, take us home. All right. Isn't that at the end? <laughs> yeah, I guess don't take us home. But Where take do you us, want me to take you? Take me on a trip. Okay. Um, three, two, one, let's jam. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. This gentleman's guide just got one gentleman bigger. Yeah. Welcome, Rachel Perel Fosco. Hey. I'm a gentleman. <laughs> yeah, the gentleman. And cheers. Cheers. Because you've got a drink on your end in Los Angeles. We've got drinks over here. Clinky. Cheers. Clink, 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 clink. Yours is like halfway between like a wine glass and a bourbon glass. That is beautiful. Thank you. What did you make there? It is. I made um, fake Campari mm. over, over ice. So beautiful. That sounds delicious. What? I don't know what Sarah made us, but she apparently made us something. If uh, after after the episode, you should uh, let us know your recipe for fake Campari and give it to me because Robin would love that. Oh, you can buy it. It's it's from a bottle. Oh oh, what's the company? Yeah, we is, set is you a, up. Uh, you could have really showed off that you're yeah. like, oh yeah, I like put so, all these like herbs, a lot of spices, so gotta let it sit for a year. Together, I'm really really into like <laughs> mixology. No. Mm, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I'll send you the the name of the of the bottle. Okay, cool, excellent, cool, cool. Well, that was a not uh, endorsement for anything because we don't even know what the bottle is. But there's yeah. fake Campari out there, people. Go and get it. Go get some. <laughs> Go get some. Uh, Rachel, thank you for joining us. You're here because uh, Kelly is officially on like. Uh, what what you're not on baby watch because it's like oh, we've been doing baby watch 2021 though today is your wife's due date it is she she is due but so far she's do not because <laughs> because there is no try <laughs> there is no there is no baby um but we're basically on fireman mode where you could get the call at any moment and you mm. would have to leave, and then it would just be me and Rachel, which would be, we could handle it, but sure. we're so glad that we you're here. So you two are pretty empathetic people. I love the both of you for that, and I, I'm sure you've supported your fair share of people who have either been in labor or been, you know, you know, having somebody that they know in labor. Is there anything that's just, like, that you have as advice for me, future supporter of someone in labor? Never make your pain bigger than their pain. <laughs> that would be pretty hard, but for sure. Okay, but, I like it. But you know, don't make any a complaints. weird thing. I, I don't know. I, I was never in the room. I think Ryan knows more. You guys are just sipping your cocktails <laughs> at the same time with like your pinkies out. <laughs> because Nathan Lane inspired us. Pinky. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, 
a weird thing that I've heard often is um, fresh fruit after birth. Oh, oh, yeah. Like a weird thing that is nice. I could bring a whole pineapple in and just cut it there for her. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to bring you like an orange or something? <laughs> just Yeah, just I'll <laughs> leave the window open. You can just keep tossing fresh fruit <laughs> to us. Yeah. Robin has been eating quite a bit of dates. Like every day she's been doing dates because Mm, we've been dipping into the old wives' tale of dates is good for softening your cervix Mm. or pelvis. One of those. One of the things that need to be softened. (laughs) Well, speaking of softening your pelvis, Rachel, what movie did we watch this week? Mm, Segway to end all segways (laughs) right there. That is a that is a segue. (laughs) Uh, We watched The Birdcage. Oh yeah. uh, Which. Which, as it turns out, I guess, um, is the movie that you guys watched right before you met me. Yep. Yeah, probably a week before we met you. Yeah. Yeah, what, it primed us. What was your memory of that night? Uh, my memory was we went to um, the grocery store that actually Rachel worked in at the coffee shop at Pete's. Yeah. Um, to get very expensive beer, and we ended up getting kind of a beer that was a little bit more higher in alcohol content than we were used to. Yeah, that's right. We got some pizza from Pizzicato. <laughs> yeah, the pizza was really good. Duffed our faces and demolished three beers apiece while watching this movie. And we got silly and cuddly that yeah. night. Like, very cuddly. <laughs> we are like, this movie's so good. Quick question. I met Ryan before that, though, because I met you because you had just... You, Something about your tooth. You were miserable when I met you. Yeah, I came in at Pete's and was like, hi. And you're like, oh, are you okay? Oh, no. (laughs) Are you okay? Because you don't seem like you're okay. (laughs) Like, can I have a steamer? (laughs) 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 And then, uh, and then you, it was so great because it was that juxtaposition of like you coming and just being the most miserable person I think I've ever like seen at a, at, uh, Zupans. Yeah. And then that's saying uh, something. Then you, you brought Sarah in and you were like the happiest person I've ever seen at two pants. Look at this beautiful woman who decided Wait, to date. Were me. you guys were you guys was that like just post dating? We must have just started dating then. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 January. When February. did you see Kelly? Did you ever see him at work? You must have. Oh yeah. I remember Kelly was like a fawn flying through Zupans, <laughs> always like a million miles an hour, jumping a about, sleeping. <laughs> a fawn, like a deer. No, a fawn. Not yeah, the not fawns. fawns. Not I was like, I don't really wear that many leather jackets, but a yes, fawns a fawn. needs a definitive article of a the. Oh, a the fawns. Of a the fawns. You can't have a the fawn. You can't have a the fawns. The fawn. <laughs> you can have a fronk, but not in this movie. This one, you have a Nathan Lane and a Robin Williams. Yes. Yeah, so what yeah. was your experience, though, of with this movie? You know, yeah. Uh, the first time or the second time? Uh, How about the fifth? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I was more interested in the seventh. But uh, you why know, don't whatever, you start from the top? One, yeah. Go with the first one. All right. Uh, I remember watching it. I don't. Know, it may have been in the theaters, but I do. I just remember being very confused uh, and having my mom be like, like, kind of have to walk me through it afterwards. And then <laughs> why? Why do they have this, to take all of this stuff off the walls? <laughs> Why is that man in a thong? Do men wear thongs? <laughs> which which part was the confusing part? Um, I couldn't tell watching it if uh, if they're making fun or not, and I couldn't tell if they were making fun who they're making fun of. Mm. And you were nine, right? If if yeah. you're watching it in theaters, so you were like, 
Mom, is the movie's contention that the Republican uh, arm of government has uh, corrupted the conservatives in this country, or is there contention? Yes. Okay, so that's where you were coming from. Okay, okay. Dear, dear mother, <laughs> I do have a query. Um, yeah, and, and so she just kind of walked me. She was like, "No, no, 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 no. It's a well, it's a farce." And then she like kind of had to like take me through that, and then. Uh, yeah, by the end of our conversation, I was like, oh, this is a great film. I love this film. Mm-hmm. But it definitely confused me going in. Was there a gap between the first time you saw it as a kid and then seeing it again as a grown-up? Uh, it actually, this is the second time I've seen this film. Really? Whoa, wow. Yeah. That is a long time. So, yeah. Um, should, uh, yeah. Should, we, should we spoil how we thought of it early? Let's spoil how we feel about it. Yeah. Rachel, you go first. I love this movie yeah so good <laughs> oh that's so gonna make s- for such a better podcast <laughs> and i know all right 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 uh no i was like uh i think watching it before i watched it i was like is this gonna count as like a like a romantic comedy because i knew it was a farce and i, I was like i don't know if it's a romantic comedy and then like watching robin william and nathan robin williams and nathan lane like be in love with each other mm-hmm. like this is they've got such this chemistry is, this is so romantic the bed mm-hmm. like yeah. the bench scene oh yeah yeah at the end <laughs> with the palimony yeah mm. <laughs> uh, um yeah that's uh that is exactly how i feel about this movie as well it's just got such it, it's it's comedy it feels like it wants to be comedy first and foremost but there's such a through line of heart and i think that just all has to do with their relationship mm-hmm um, why don't we, uh, why don't we tell a story? Okay. You guys want to tell a story? Yeah. Okay. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not, it's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. I'll start with I'll the story. Okay. So... We meet this nightclub in Miami. Have we Have we all been to Miami? Has everyone here been to Miami? No, never been to Miami. You've never been to Miami? Never been. They have didn't you ever been invite to Miami? me. Well, I don't think I have been, a, maybe when I was like five. Oh, uh, but you guys have all heard the song. Yeah, the, the Will, Will Smith, Smith song. song. So, yeah. so that's pretty oh. much, no, no, the Will Welcome Smith song. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> Yeah, something, something, shammy. So that's shammy. pretty much that's pretty much it. If you've heard the song, you've been to Miami. Uh, oh. Have you been to Miami? Yes, I've been to Miami. What did you do in Miami? I went on a cruise and we left port in Miami. Okay, so you haven't been to Miami. <laughs> well, I hung that's out like there being... for. I was a few hours there, just kind of hanging out. That, I had a good time. That's like landing in an airport and saying, "Yeah, I've been to Chicago." I, I, I was at O'Hare no, for like three hours. No, I, I had enough time to. Be at a beach in Miami. It wasn't a long time, but I saw the people, and they were just as gorgeous as the people in this movie. Because mm. our first introduction mm. to Miami is this wonderful, like helicopter crane shot into. It's into such the bay. a good shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys know it's the same DP as uh, Bird Birdman? Yeah, Chivo, Chivo, yeah. Emmanuel mm-hmm. Lubeski. And so you can see at the beginning here all the long takes, and he's mm-hmm. like, mm, "I'm just gonna slowly work this into my career." <laughs> Uh, but yes. but it's a good shot because it takes you from like an, a mile off the coast, basically, mm-hmm. in through the city, through a bunch of people with really nice butts, mm-hmm. into a club 
And then you you're basically introduced to the drag show, right? Of the Birdcage. Yeah, this awesome awesome drag show, and we I think we meet Robin Williams first, uh, mustachioed mm-hmm. Robin Williams, just very confident. Uh, club owner. He is. He's not only the owner, but he kind of acts as maitre d slash director of festivities. Yeah, yeah. He he really runs the whole joint. Mm. Mm. Um, and we get the stage drama. And <laughs> Rachel, as an actress, did you relate to any of the stage drama? The uh, the backstage stage yeah. drama. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I had a audition, a commercial audition this weekend. And like my poor mom and dad had to be like bear witness to the pregame. Uh, I'm sorry, I had a callback, so I had to do it live. Oh, <laughs> and 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 any time I have to do anything live, even if it's like you know a regular audition, I have to do my warm up, and my warm up is essentially me. Um, you know how there's like people are fearful or they're excited. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same emotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I have to change my fear, like my complete meltdown, which is what we're talking about in the beginning of this movie. Nathan Lane's character is having a total meltdown and it's like refusing to go on stage and has to do this like, it's almost like a ritualistic, like, I can't go on, I won't go on. Uh-huh. And then they're like, you must, you He's must Betty go Davis-ing on. He's Betty davis all over the place. Yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh, so, oh, so good. And but like me as a, an actor, I have to do that like every single time I have to do anything live uh, acting wise. Like I have to channel my freak out into like like a positive excitement because it's all energy, right? And you're just redirecting mm-hmm. it, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Okay, very <laughs> my cool. My mom and dad like they had to like witness like my breathing exercises and my jumping jacks. <laughs> Were they like, slowly oh, stepping and back? <laughs> like, well, we're gonna go hang out in the TV place, <laughs> read a book that. in this in the bedroom. Um, but yeah, I don't go full. Uh, uh, what was the Albert? He was, Albert. He was uh, full Albert, but he was. They were channeling Judy Garland. Judy, Judy Garland. Garland. Yeah, Judy yes. Garland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All, all of the, duty. all of the divas, at once. I, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so the stage manager tells Robin Williams she's not coming down, and all we hear is she's not coming down, mm-hmm. and we're like, who's she? We're at a drag <laughs> show, so we're like, well, I can guess who she is, uh, the the main star, I guess. So he goes upstairs, and it's Nathan Lane as Albert, and like we said, she's in full on hysterics. She will not go on. She can't go on the way she looks, and she's feeling so so insecure yeah yeah just about being old and she calls herself fat (laughs) and and on top of all of that it seems at least in her eyes that perhaps robin williams is cheating on her Mm -hmm. with another man a younger man who likes white yeah i mean you gotta like if somebody's if somebody's drinking white wine that's automatic cheat juice that's what i cheat juice All we drink in this house is white wine. <laughs> I know. I'm watching. I'm watching you, Ryan. Because we can't have the tannins. Like Robin Williams says, because of the tannins. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> that is an accurate statement. Actually, the tannins. A lot of people have like an inconsistent. Like a, they have a problem with it. <laughs> and so we automatically get that these two love each other and that they're in a long-term relationship of some kind. Um, not only just as kind of both as professionals and as romantic partners. And um, Robin Williams is both very supportive and also is kind of long suffering, tired of the drama, but not in a bad way, just in a this is this is kind of the parts that they play in their relationship. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she goes on stage eventually yeah. as uh, Satarina. 
Oh, I didn't catch. I didn't catch your stage name. Satarina. Oh, okay. And then Robin Williams rushes upstairs, gets everything ready, gets the wine going. Oh, we meet uh, Hank Azaria as they're like living. What Guatemalan made slash? I think he calls him houseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of like a bad valet. Yeah. Which uh, Rachel? What was your take on Azaria's performance? He said that he was channeling his um, grandmother. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, yeah, I think there are some problems, but I also think that I think that he he was authentic in the way that he played it. Yeah, yeah. It's very broad. He's been. It's been interesting to see what happened with him in The Simpsons when there was all the complaints about him playing Apu, and like it got Mm -hmm. to a point where they. I think they recast up who's voice and it, mm. a lot of actors put in that position will kind of like lash out and be like, whatever, I've been playing this character for decades, but he was like, mm. that's cool. I will, I will change it. And just, I'm I getting from, from what I'm seeing of his career, I think that's just what he likes doing is accents and different voices. And like, that's his thing. And that's what his, yeah. his talent seems to be. So I, I think he works in this, in this movie. It may, I don't think they I, cast him I, I if will... they did it now, but. No, I do think, yeah, I, I think he, he did it with a lot of love. He was, and he was brilliant and adorable. Oh my goodness, the part where he's freaking out in the kitchen. Because he's like, <laughs> I don't actually know how to cook anything. He's like, a soup can like, be a dinner. It's like a stew. <laughs> it's like a stew. <laughs> oh. So yeah. I, I thought that he approached the role very honestly and very sweetly. They combined the role too, didn't they? It was supposed, he was supposed to actually just play um i one this one character like I, they were going to have like, like a different character yeah. do the cook stuff on the second half they're mm-hmm. going to have a different character and they originally i think they originally cast cuz in the original film the kajafo do you guys know what i'm talking what i'm about to say oh uh, we, no, we, we, we haven't seen, seen the kajafo oh okay um so in the original film this character was played actually by a, a black man and uh, when they, when Mike Nichols was casting it, he was like, in America, that might be racist. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we, maybe we don't do that. And then Robin Williams was like, well, we already hired Hank for this one role. Why don't we just combine these two roles? It's Florida. Um, this, like this casting actually kind of makes more sense. So let's just mm-hmm. do it like this. And so he got, he got a bigger role. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I like that it's contained as far as its cast is concerned. Oh yeah. Where it mm-hmm. doesn't, there's not just a bunch of characters popping in. I like that we sit with these ones. So they, so like in the movie, they send, they send Hank Azari home so that, uh, Robin Williams can get ready for this date. It appears gets all the wine ready, gets all the candles going. Then we see this very attractive young man and we're like, Oh, and then they embrace and we're like, Oh, and, and they seem to know each other from the past. And the, the way that Mike Nichols kind of disguises this moment is there's like, there's some touching that Robin Williams does to the side of his face. He comments on his hair and um, the younger man also talks about how good looking he is right now. And it really mm-hmm. puts Robin Williams in a bashful place where it seems very much like it is a an insecure older man, very happy to be dating somebody younger who thinks he's attractive still. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, what happens afterwards? It's his son. It's his son! <laughs> 
I thought this turn was so good. I like, remember watching this part with you the first time, and we were like drinking our beers, and we like spit take. We're like, oh <laughs> snap! <laughs> because the affection is, it looks this very similar to it. Yeah, and and it's and it's unabashed affection where you like Mike Nichols is almost saying you, the audience, like are making these assumptions because these are the assumptions Nathan Lane is making. But mm. like, if you if you just also would have imagined it being his son or could have in the society, then maybe you wouldn't have thought that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. it's a pretty good scene. I thought Robin Williams played that scene so beautifully because the pathos, like the way that he just loved, just like the love and attention suddenly when his son showed up. Yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah, if you didn't, if we follow the line of like, oh, this is, you know, what Nathan Lane thinks, we can totally assume that this is, romance but then if we realize that this is a father that is just so proud of and so like happy to see his son then that's like oh <laughs> and oh no i won't get into a quibble yet oh, okay i'm gonna have a quibble, quibble later. Later. Okay. but I, I i concur with rachel on this because it's this scene that it's like reminding you it's like okay this movie is a ridiculous farce and it's a big satire but it's full of really human characters yes. and it's like I always think about Robin Williams and we are all sad that he left the world too soon. And I'm like, man, we could have had more Robin Williams movies. But then I'm reminded it's like mm-hmm. we see all these silly movies and kind of discount them. It's like, well, that's not like we don't really get the full Robin Williams unless it's like a Goodwill hunting thing where we really get the full pathos. But it's like even movies that are really silly on the surface like this, we get a full Robin Williams performance that is full of heart. And it's really nice to have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of people. I, I read a bunch of reviews. I don't usually do this, but I went to Rotten Tomatoes just to be like, what, what did the critics versus audience think of this film? There are 100,000 audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, wow. uh, which is really big for that site. Um, 81% and 81% critics to audience, which doesn't happen very often that they will wow. agree, especially like that. But the amount of different takes that critics had on both Nathan Lane's and Robin Williams' performance some people were like robin williams is best when he is just silly or nathan lane is best when he's drawn in and then on the other side there were a hundred people that were like uh you know what it's really great when robin williams just tones it down and you really get a lot more like of a serious role out of him and people are like i love seeing nathan lane stretch his limbs and just get silly Mm -hmm. and so it's it's like this movie felt very divisive based on the performances at least critically yeah and it's a lot to take in because there are still a lot of bold performance choices throughout the whole movie, so mm-hmm. you got to be you got to be ready. We're saying like, oh yeah, there's some understated Robin Williams here. It's like, no, no, it gets it gets big soon. So I mean, so yeah, wait. There, there are moments, but I feel like those moments, like especially when he's describing the dance, when he's mm-hmm. he's showing the guy like the kind of energy he can hand. Fuzzy, fuzzy, Madonna, Madonna. <laughs> and and that that shows like the the kind of range that's within him and it feels more poppy and crazy because I think the rest of the time he's playing very much uh besides the nightclub owner he's playing just a uh, an older dad and he really balances it out because if everyone in the movie was acting like Nathan Lane it would be like way too much just too much going on on the screen but to have Robin Williams be like calm down like just to have that presence there to for Nathan Lane to bounce off of we really need that because I can't call him the straight man in it because he's not the straight man mm-hmm, in it. So mm-hmm. he's the straighter. No, that that won't even count either. You're talking about he's the Cary Grant. 
Yeah, sure. You can call him the straight man. Okay. He called himself the straight yeah, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay. No, I was just thinking about that. Like, Nathan Lane was talking about Robin Williams and saying, like, um, people think that Robin Williams is, like, one of those, like, big actors that just, like, takes, like, commands a room mm. and takes everything from, and, you know, can do whatever you want with the room. And he was like, but he's not. He's an actor's actor. And if you're with him on set, he gives you and everything, mm-hmm. anything that you need. And if it's to be, if it, if it is to be the straight man, then he is the straight man. He's, uh, I think that's really, that was really cool. Uh, the, Nathan Lane's not the only person that said that about him. He was supposed to be like the most generous of actors to work with. And mm-hmm. when he had the stage to himself, yeah. like he obviously had to carry it. But when he was in scene, he was very generous. So Rachel and your all of your acting trainings, like for on screen stuff, and you guys are working in comedy and like working on your comedy acting. Is is the de facto rule like it's a competition of who can like chew as much scenery as possible, or is it just kind of like an underspoken thing of like, hey, I'm going to give space for you. Are you going to give space for me? Is there a lot of like give and take when it comes to like doing humor on screen with with your co 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 workers, co actors, co stars, co workers, <laughs> your cast, co stars? Yeah. Um, I was listening to an interview with um, Nick Frost the other day, and he was talking about working with uh, Simon Pegg. And like there, that question got brought up of like, um, is it a competition between the two? Like how how do two like brilliant comedians make these brilliant scenes together all the time? Like are you just like sparring with one another? And he said, no, um, you do whatever makes the story better. Like so you hear to make the story better Mm. and whatever is needed in that. Maybe, maybe it is like Simon Pegg needs to like be crazy and wild, or maybe he needs to be contained and straight, or maybe he, you know, Nick Frost needs to like jump over a fence and like break the fence. Or maybe it is like he has no movement and just looks like whatever it is. It's just, it's not just, it is to make the story better. Mm. Um, and I think based off of other people, whatever your muscle is or your talent, if somebody is like Robin Williams and they know that what they can do to to give strength to a scene, if that's like improv or if it's t- commanding, uh, some- being like, I guess, taking over a scene, maybe that's what's needed. But it's like also, you know, watching Robin Williams <laughs> do nothing mm. and be equally comedic. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, gosh, like, <laughs> like that one scene where, where he was just like, Nathan Lane, we'll talk about it later, but there's a, one of my favorite scenes is this when they're trying to teach Nathan Lane how to walk. And he's like, walk, walk like John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And, and so Nathan Lane does like a John Wayne. And like, there's a moment he's like, was that not it? And he goes, no, that was perfect. I just never knew John Wayne like walked like that. <laughs> and he does it like so like quiet and so straight. But like it's that moment of just like that is the I could I cried when I rewatched that scene. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. But it was just two people like serving the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that answer the that question? Thoroughly answers my question. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> so we learned from the son whose name is something. I don't know, someone's son. Uh, that he's getting married and... So the son's name is Val. Val. And uh, he's played by Dan Futterman, mm-hmm. who was also nominated for an Ooh. Academy Award for writing Capote. Oh, good yeah. for you, Mr. Futterman. Wow. Ah. 
Anyway. Fat Charming. Yeah. So Fat he's getting married. He's only 20, but he's getting married. And Robin Williams is pretty upset because he's like, you're too young to get married. I'm very productive. Blah, blah, blah. But he's only so upset to the point of like making his point, but he still at the same time wants to show love to his son. And like they, they have this back and forth where they're, you know pretending to be mad at each other and they both know mm-hmm. that neither of them are actually mad. It's mm-hmm. it's like th- these two people have been with each other for a very long time. Yeah. Kind of they tell each other. They, they know each other. Yeah. And so then Val or um Albert finally comes back from the performance and is like, oh, wine glasses, I knew it. You were cheating on me. And Robin Williams is like, it's Val. And Albert's like, oh, sweet Val is home. Okay. And he's like, why don't you tell me? And Robin Williams is like, surprise. Because uh, I always hate those like silly setups where it's like, why are you making conflict out of nothing? And it's like, he just really did just want to mm. surprise Albert with this. And Albert was too. Yeah. He, no, he not only wanted to surprise him, but like it was a request from the son, right? Because he wanted to be able to explain yeah. it to his dad before yeah. Albert found out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because Albert will. Specifically because. Also, because maybe Albert isn't necessarily inc- as included in this celebration as everybody else is. Uh, perhaps I, I didn't feel like that was here yet. Um, like, like there. Uh, do you think it was because he knew what was on the horizon? I think if you're going to marry a conservative, uh, what was he? Uh, Senator, yeah, yeah, senator's daughter, and not tell them the truth about who your parents are. There, there's going to be a there's going to be a meet cute at some point that you're probably not super excited. Yeah, about. sure. He's. I think he would just be always like the whole time that he's starting to date this girl and wants to marry her knows that Albert will be difficult to ingratiate with the large family as a whole. And he's like, how am I going to do this? Right. He's been honest with his mm-hmm. his fiance about it. Yeah. Though. He's just. Um, she doesn't know how to tell. It seems like it's the kind of thing where she doesn't know how to tell her parents. And so he's making space for her, but it's, Mm -hmm. this is where my quibble in the movie comes in because like Val as a son, who's been raised by these two really great guys who are both really sensitive, seems not to care that much about their dad's feelings. And this is where I'd like well, let's get into the plot, but I'm going to rewrite Ex- the movie. Explain soon. the plot so that you yeah. can get there. So, so get, get the plot and, explained. And also, like, just to forewarn you, I am going to quibble your quibble. Oh, okay. So there you That's go. That's fair. Okay, so basically, what what happens is um, after they find out that he's you know engaged, um, Albert um, is makes a stink about it, but it's fine. And then um, what? What happens is Val is like, hey, by the way, her parents are going to come down to Florida and visit you, but uh, I'm going to need you to pretend not to be gay, and then I'm also going to need Albert to leave in order to accomplish this goal of introducing you to her family. And it Mm. cuts Robin Williams to the quick. Like, you can see the heartbreak on on his face when this happens and it is devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says no at first. Um, and then later on after this movie takes so much time, allowing characters time to process information, which I really appreciate about it because he goes and has a day. And then at the end of his day of work, you just see him thinking and thinking and thinking. And he comes back upstairs to Val later on. And is just like, fine, like 
you're my son. I love I'll, you. I'll do it. I'll do it. But he is like, also, don't talk to me right now. Because I'm so mad about this. Such a good moment. Do yeah. me a favor. Don't talk oh to me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that – this movie, it went by so quickly. It was such a quick film. And it's kind of remarkable that it did really allow for, like, the honesty of moments to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like mm-hmm. Nathan Lane getting hurt or Robin Williams, like, digesting that sort of pain and decision-making. Mm-hmm. And, like, like all of those moments actually got to sit. And it was still a farce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think if I were to dissect filmically what's going on is that Mike Nichols took a good – the first act to not use it for farce and just does pretty much normal comedy with ridiculous characters, but he's not making any points yet. He's just setting up all mm. the characters and the dynamics and then starts the second act by being like, all right, now let's meet the, the fiance's family and let the farce begin oh because yeah. those characters are not nearly as humanized as Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. They're more, mm-hmm set up to be making sharp, sharp points about certain type of people in America. Yes. And that is mm-hmm. Senator Keeley and Louise Keeley, who he is um, a Republican senator who is for the uh, Office of Moral It's like Justice. the Family Value Morality Council or something. Like their caucus is like the Family Value Caucus or something. Right. And as we, we kind of get that he's like, you know, he's against not only like gay marriage but abortion and like he's just like hardcore in the paint conservative and not only that but the person that he was kind of running on the same ticket as or like co-founded this board with was just found dead in like the a hotel room with um a sex worker and and they make a big deal about her being black black Underage uh, Underage. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are the words that they use. I can't remember if there was drugs involved, but I think there might have been. Were there drugs? I don't know. I don't know. But they made it like the most like the most farcical problem mm. to happen to a Republican senator. Right. Like reality is now thrown out the window of just like the most ridiculous yeah. thing they could think of. I mean, it's not the most ridiculous thing no, they could think it, of because this has happened. <laughs> right. But they but they put the pedal to the metal of like zero to 60. It's like, all right, let's go for it. Yeah. And then basically like the the as we, we get that. I don't know. Do you want to describe these people for us, Rachel? <laughs> describe to us Gene Hackman and Miss Diane Wiest. You know what? They are the the worst. <laughs> And for some weird reason, adorable? Yes. Like, that was what was so confusing about this film, were the things that were coming out of Gene Hackman's mouth Mm -hmm. were so cruel and so mean. And so, like, when they're talking about, like, there was one point where he's so proud of himself, he's on some sort of a debate show, and him and Diane West are, um, Diane West? West? Diane West? are uh, watching it and it's just shouting at people. And and he's like, favorite, the most intelligent program This on is TV. my favorite <laughs> joke in the entire movie because Mike Nichols does such a good job of showing us the like apocalyptic screaming these people are doing on the CNN show. I think what Senator Jackson is trying to say is It's a wonderful show. It's the most intelligent show on television. 
and they're just like, yeah. oh, it's so so intellectual, so eloquent. Oh, it's the best show. <laughs> it's the best program. It's the best show. Which was so prescient. Like in the 90s, it wasn't nearly as bad as it is today when it's just horrible now on Fox News or MSNBC mm-hmm. where people are just yelling and yelling at each other. And it's mostly... But, but no, wasn't that weird? Because that literally was what the guy was like watching himself do. And he was so happy with yeah. it. And I couldn't understand what they were saying because they're all yelling yeah, at each yeah, other that's so great. much. <laughs> And it was just like, oh, but so that's them. And for some reason, he has a chocolate addiction and um, she's just trying her best to be, I guess, the perfect, you know, senator's wife, conservative wife, Mm -hmm. yeah, senator's wife. And and at the same time, it's weird because she's also like she's I mean, she's. Edward Scissorhands mother. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. she's like America's weird mom. Yeah. And so she's in this weird uh, uh, conservative role for this, which is which was an interesting choice, I think. I think it was a really brilliant choice. Because, yeah, they make them into bad characters, but it's also we're supposed to like them too in the end. Yeah, I think yeah. essentially which, they don't make them evil characters because in order to have the turn at the end we need to there has to be something about them that we can say no they are changeable like there's something about them that isn't so far gone yeah which i I really wish at the end of the movie we got a little bit more of that to be honest and i was wondering if in the original film the the parents on the other side of things have a little bit more of a turn than these do i haven't watched it's I think it's three films. Mm-hmm. It is. And I haven't watched all three. I haven't watched any of the films. I saw the musical. Um, but yeah, I think it goes in stages of like the Keja Faux, something like Keja Faux, the wedding, like it kind of ties everything together. Mm. Yeah. And it, when we did Much Ado About Nothing, we're like, all these characters are great except for Don John, who's just evil because evil he Keanu has to Reeves. be evil. <laughs> Like, there's no reason behind yeah. the evil. There's no motivation other than just jealousy, maybe. And it's not too far off in this film because, because like, we don't really understand. We understand him from, a, like, a macro societal level where it's like, yeah, I get it. These senators definitely exist. But we don't know why he is so antagonistic towards... I, I, think, I think this movie, for Americans, I think every American watching it can relate to it because I think we all know conservatives like this personally because like Val says in the movie he's like there are conservatives 50% you know like of America. Half the country yeah. conservatives and it's not to say 50% mm. of the country is just like Gene Hackman but they're unfortunately we're kind of split into two camps a lot of the time and if we like got down to who we really are we're not we're we're much more on a spectrum but it does feel a lot of the times like we're in one camp or the other and it's about trying to make the two camps get along with each other. Thus, the theme song of this movie is We Are Family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we mm-hmm. have to be family mm-hmm. and get along. And that's why this, that's why I think the movie is perfect is because the conflict is so relatable. The characters are ridiculous because it's coming up with the most arch versions of like gay cabaret nightclub owner Miami versus Northeast uh, conservative senator of white bread, you know, upper crust, rich stuff. And then like smashing together like peanut butter and chocolate. Although that goes well together. that goes really well together. Yeah, but he likes chocolate and I I, I don't know. They're more like chocolate. Peanut butter and a martini. Yeah, you don't want to put those together, but maybe there's a way to enjoy it. But they have such a thing as a chocolate martini. Yeah, so maybe you can figure it out. Yes, but a peanut butter martini, I don't think so. 
Oh, you said peanut butter. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? So, Calista Flockhart plays the fiance, and she explains to her parents, the conservatives, that Val's parents, that Val's dad is a cultural attache to, to Greece. Greece, and the mom's there too. Which brought me right back to Stanley Tucci in Julie and Julia, and I was like, oh, cultural attache. I yeah. want to do that. <laughs> And so I'm hungry. Oh, by the way, did you know Stanley Tucci um, on Instagram does um, like a small cooking show? Yeah, I think he has a CNN travel show, too. Robin has been way into Stanley Tucci's cooking recently. She says it's the most charming thing. I love it. I think so. In the midst of this, they figure out, okay, we need to rehabilitate Gene Hackman's uh, image image because he's now tied to this scandal and so they've got to rejigger it so that there's going to be a wedding and they want this they need to flip the headline and make it about this wedding that their daughter's going to have so they get out of Dodge in their northeast town wherever they live um, and go down to Florida to meet the parents right and all the while while this is going on we basically have um, fits and starts where like they're either trying to get rid of Nathan Lane or they're trying to say like, Hey, you can be, um, the uncle that's just down the way. At first, Robin Williams tries to get a non Albert version of Albert. That's like Mm. a straight uncle to Val. And we -hmm. have wonderful humor and Nathan Lane as Albert is so big as a performance but so real. Like, I, I, I believe every yeah. move. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Yeah, I think that's the thing that really was wonderful about this film was everybody was so... it what Just the biggest version of a character and somehow these actors were able to just put so much, like, honesty mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Like, how did Hank... How did Hank make that character, like, an honest... Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and then he like still did, and then, and yeah, Nathan Lane's Albert is just like so out there and so like all of. Oh, I'm sorry, the John Wayne. Walk yeah, it's re- like was, go back and watch it <laughs> again, everybody. It's so so good. Was somebody trying their hardest to walk like John Wayne and actually pulling it off? It's just a sachet, like, oh. John Wayne. <laughs> And actually, yeah, if you go watch John Wayne, because I did this afterwards, he it's really close. Like it is. It's really good. It is good. more flamboyant, but it is really close. And I like when I feel just like <laughs> just like Robin Williams. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. I didn't I didn't know John Wayne. <laughs> so we um, very much get that Albert is the mother in this family. Mm. Uh, well, as as yes. Robin Williams describes, um, I'm I'm maternal, and that makes um, that makes Albert a breast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that um, was Sarah's favorite joke when we were watching this. The so at this point in time, since we're bringing up Albert, I went and read a lot of criticism by um, gay film critics, in particular of mm. Albert, because I was I was like, you know what, I just want to see what the perspective of like the the performance was during the day, and then what it is today. And for the most mm. part, what I found was there was like this like high school, college, and then adulthood kind of arc to it where it's like, oh, yes, we're having like a very feminine gay man being like portrayed in a huge budget film 
that yeah is is definitely like a broad performance however like it is is you know bringing this to the forefront and then like after that um like it was like oh well it what was it being way too stereotypical was it like settling into this place of like ah yes yeah, since you're gay you have to have your pinkies out kind of realm and mm-hmm. then back to the place of mm-hmm. no his the entire point of his character is to say you have to be true to who you are and who you are can be so many different things mm-hmm. and it definitely can be this yeah and um I, i'll just uh quote uh, Manuel um, Betancourt. Uh, he says, the birdcage encourages us all to be more like Albert, to see his gay femininity as a kind of strength we all too often mock and disparage, sometimes even within ourselves. And like that kind of arc in watching this movie through criticism has almost come full circle to everybody, not necessarily everybody loving it, but everybody appreciating it for what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of love that about this movie yeah. and that performance. And I really appreciate it's not balancing, but it's just showing like, it's not just a version of that being Albert, but also Robin Williams character is like, he's not nearly as flamboyant as Albert, but it, there's, they're still similar in other ways too. So I get more of a spectrum of, of how that looks on screen. And then the other like stereotype is Gene Hackman's character. Who's like the most stereotypical, like uh, not evil, but just a conservative who just like, doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some might call him a conservative <laughs> that doesn't get it. I feel a little bit more antagonistic. Well, would you him, call him evil though? I, I don't know where, no, where to throw him. I think on, I, I don't know for me on the spectrum of, um, I think prejudiced is a, yeah. is a good way to put it though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see where, where are we <laughs> in the story? No, I just, I wanted to, yeah, I, just before we move on, I think that was really cool. Cause I, I think that's where my brain keeps circling with this film is, um, I was listening to an interview with Hank and he was saying kind of like, I, I don't, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I wanted to, to, to do this right. And going back to what Kelly just said about, um, it, it showing that somebody can be the lead in a story and it doesn't, they don't have to fit a stereotype mm. to be a lead. They can, anybody can be the lead of a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm anybody and i think that's really i think that is actually very special well we also and very we we need that as viewers that we need to be able to see ourselves as the lead in our own story Mm -hmm. and we that's why we need just diversity all across the board for every story that we're seeing on screen is that we want to be able to see ourselves yeah whether that's casting or writing Mm -hmm. anything anything we should be able to see ourselves in that so that we can see ourselves in our own life as the main character of our story and not feel like we're Mm sidelined so now we're getting to the point where basically Robin Williams goes to see his uh, Val's mom, his biological mother, who Sarah hated on screen. She's like, "You abandon your child." <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> I can't remember. It- so the plan is to get Christine Baranski as the mom to play the mom for a night, which she would be quote unquote perfect for, <laughs> except that Albert steps in and is perfect in it. Yes. Yeah. So there's a wonderful theatrical contrivance that Christine Baranski gets stuck in traffic and Albert a- agrees just to st- he was going to be the uncle. But then chickens out and is like, well, maybe he'll just stay in his room all night and we'll get through the night. 
it's not only that he chickens out. That scene, I think, is one of the most affecting scenes in this whole movie where he walks in. Because he said. Oh, my God. Like, it tore me apart. He Sarah walks, was practically crying watching the scene. He walks in and he's trying so hard to fit into a role that is not for him. Mm-hmm. And he is trying so hard, especially for Val, to fit into this role. And the other two want to tell him he's doing a good job. But like, it's so funny in one respect because he's like, you know, trying to sit his elbow down and it's he's he's trying to just be quote unquote masculine in a way that he is very much a not practiced at and goes against his entire being. And so it starts off funny, but then it slowly becomes sad. And when he leaves, you're just like, fuck, guys, like, don't do this to Albert. Mm-hmm. Um I know. And again, I know, I know. And it tricked us because it really meant it made us, we all, I mean, I was going at you and you start watching it and he's just being kind of silly when he first walks in. But then as he keeps going and you realize how important this is for him to get it. And all of a sudden it's like that moment when you're brought back to your childhood and you're a little kid and all you want to do is play like the sport with your big brother or whoever and you're too little you don't fit, you can't play. Yeah. And you try, like you try to do everything and you just yeah. can't. And it just like suddenly it was like, but they should let him, they should let him just be what yeah. started dinner. <laughs> so Gene Hackman, Diane Weist, and Callista Flockhart pre Alia McBeal. I feel like Callista Flockhart is the most 1990s actor we have here. Yeah. Right? Like there's yeah. just something about her that lives yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she is the dream of the '90s. Uh, they all they all show up for dinner. Albert's nowhere to be seen, so Robin Williams and Val are like, "Okay, let's try and pull this off." We don't see Christine Baranski, but we'll, we'll pull it off. And so dinner's going okay, and you know they're being really nervous. <laughs> Gene Hackman's horrible story about seeing the colors change and the road, the black road with the green. Here's the thing. I I think I learned this lesson in seventh grade and I think it's still true. Comedy is harder than drama. And like Gene Hackman being funny in that scene is more impressive than anything he does in the French connection. (laughs) Agreed. Right? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's just brilliant. Um, So they hear like a yelp in the back and they're like, oh, that's just our dog. (laughs) But then out of nowhere, Nathan Lane, Albert, comes out in full Mother Regalia, wig yeah, and all. Very much um, Mother Regalia. He kind of looked like he was the queen in a small way. Or Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, or Jackie Kennedy, sure. Yeah. Mm. Here I am. Oh, please forgive me for being so late, but the traffic was unbelievable. Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, I'm so happy to meet you at last. It, oh. You must be Barbara. What a pretty child. Come here and give me a hug. Oh, don't be afraid. Oh, how adorable she's shy. Oh, it's so nice to meet you, Mrs. Coleman. Goldman? I thought the D was silent. It is pronounced Coleman, isn't it? We've had some confusion. Oh, yes, Coleman. Uh, the D is silent in America. It's Coldilomont. Uh, or Cole of the Isle of Man in France, where Armand's chateau is, and Coldman in Greece, where Armand's work is, and finally the vulgar Coleman in Florida, where Armand's home is. So actually, we don't know where we are until we hear our last name pronounced. 
<laughs> he was uh, his. Uh, he said he copied, I think, Barbara Bush. <laughs> Perfect. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, Albert introduces himself as Val's mother. And Gene Hackman and Diane Weiss are like, yeah, of course you are. Sure. And they just... That's not an Adam's Obviously. apple. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they totally take it. And Albert passes as the mother. And <laughs> so much passes that, like, there is a an inkling of the hots that... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gene Hackman has for her. Is it the hot? It's, is it the hot, well, or is he just in like charm? Yeah. By well, her? it is that. It's not like necessarily a sexual the hots, but it's like that. He he often uses the phrase, "That's what a good woman should be." Right. And it's it's more like <laughs> she, he she is something of an ideal to him. So Albert not only yes. passes as Val's mom, Albert's passing as mm. a conservative woman, mm-hmm. a conservative mother. This yes. this thing that Gene Hackman Gene Hackman wants to see in other women. And expects other women to behave as. And that's how good a performer Albert is at that point. <laughs> and it gets <laughs> absurd. It gets really absurd. And, and w- hilarious. At one point in time, he talks about killing pregnant women. <laughs> and it's, I know. it's like, why not just kill the mother? <laughs> <laughs> and Gene Hackman's just nodding along. Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, and then, and then they're all dancing, and Albert is dancing with Gene Hackman, and they're singing, and everything. It gets so, so happy. joyous for mm-hmm. a second, doesn't it? So let's let's yeah. quickly wrap up the story so we can get into. Uh, let's do your quibbles or your rewriting before the break. So let's, but let's finish the story roughly okay. so okay. we get okay. that. So cool. everything's going well enough because Albert's doing such a great job for them. Um, but we find out that the press has figured out where Gene Hackman is because they want to like expose him and to find after his senator buddy found dead with the the black prostitute or however they describe it in the movie, the fact that now Gene Hackman is hiding out in a gay cabaret nightclub with these characters would not look so well for his image. So what happens is Christina Bransky finally shows up but there's like how can you have two mothers and Val does the good thing and takes off Albert's wig and says this Albert is my mother Mm -hmm. and Mm. it's great it is great it's a really great moment and then they sneak them out while all the press is waiting for them through the nightclub and you get um, both the mom and the dad in drag and Mm -hmm. you know and and Clis. And Barbara as yeah. well. That's what I was saying. No, no. Or who? Louis, Cl- Cliff so, and Weast. Everyone's, everyone's, yeah, everyone's, everyone's dressed up. Everyone's dressed, dressed up. up. Except for um, Val. Yeah. Val's just and Val's, himself, Val's just Val because yeah. he's just grew up in that place. And then they get out and they get away and mission accomplished. Our, 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 three, our three boys go home happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the movie. And so Kelly, tell us you, you're sitting on a quibble or you're sitting on a rewrite. I'm not sure which. Yeah, let's rewrite the movie. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. Okay, so it's... I don't think that Val's um, arc is necessarily wrong. I think he is somebody who is embarrassed of his parents. And he is like, hey, I like this girl. And that supersedes my need to like have empathy and understanding and love for you right now. I need you to understand where I'm coming from, which is a place of insecurity and change yourself. And this is something children ask of their parents all the time. And so I don't think it's the wrong way to write the movie, but if I was going to rewrite the film, I think what I would do is have 
when he brings up that they're going to come down and visit, I would have rather him bring up how concerned he was for it and how it was going to be kind of a shit show or it was just going to be something that was like, like going to go poorly. And I almost would have rather had Robin Williams see his son going through this and almost suggested this to him. And yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, I, I think it would have been even more poignant if he had been a character who was like his dad is just wanting to be good for him. And the younger generation was saying, no, it's okay. I love you who you are. It doesn't matter what it necessarily means for me in this relationship. I'll love you no matter what. And they try to pull off this farce together under Robin Williams directorial direction. And then at the end, like he, the son just can't take it anymore. And it's not that the other woman shows up. It's that the son can't take it anymore because we also don't get much of Calista Flockhart and Val like having a hard time with this. It's just that they're trying to make it work. And I would have liked to see the emotional toll it took on them, how their parents were acting, whether it was hiding who they were or being bigotous or all the different things going on. And I, I just think if I cared a little bit more about Val through this story from him being a little bit more of a sensitive character, I think I would have, um, the ending would have felt a little bit more of a punch to me. That's interesting. Uh, I lo- I appreciate I think I appreciate that and I would have I would have loved that uh, movie too, and I appreciated what they did with this movie. One, I appreciated that uh, they fooled us at the beginning mm-hmm. by keeping Val super cool, and laid back. We all thought that he was Robin Williams, uh, you know, lover, Side piece. and that was the trick of the film. So that needed so his his kind of almost sexiness but actually just familiarity mm-hmm. like with Robin's character um was important so he needed to not be freaked out i think that was a choice and also um i think because of the time period it this movie was a huge success and i wonder if that's sort of indicative of the time because now we look back what if we if this movie had been made now and we would have seen this apathetic behavior like, well, why can't you just change yourself yeah. for me? You know, you're not really supposed to be gay. And and it was a, you know, a blockbuster hit for four weeks. Um, because I think, I wonder, and this might be me being very judgy of the time, but that everybody kind of accepted that. Like, that's, a, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what Robin said um, when we talked about this. Because she also enjoyed that rewrite. But she was like, this felt very true to 1996. Um, Robin was born mm-hmm. in 82. And she was like, you know, um, I think at this point in time, she wasn't yet out to her parents. But she was like, this, this felt very true to what would have been acceptable to an audience at the time very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think by showing not so much how much it was hurting the, you know, the son, but how much it was, it was really, you saw how much it hurt Nathan Lane's character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You saw how much it crushed Robin Williams' I, character. And I think that was. But why didn't yeah, it hurt I, Val I more? That this, like that's, that was my whole problem. Exactly. I don't think yeah. it did. I don't think it did hurt him. No, because and he's I a selfish 20 year old. And I wish, I just wish Robin Williams would have 
said that to him at one point in time. Like you, what have you struggled with so far? Like I've protected you your whole life. Like, I mean, yeah. cause I, I just want it. Like he was being a really good dad, but I would have just liked a little explosion. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how it's the insight. It's like half of it is very specific insight to characters. And the other half of it is very like outrageous plotting to like have sure. certain things fall out the way they do to make certain things happen. Which to is make why certain the movie insights. works in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not against it. You're right, Rachel. It really, it does feel true. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it, 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 <laughs> it exists. It is something that exists in the time. I don't think it's the same. It, the movie wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Now. And I think it's, I think this is the point of criticisms to not like cancel culture, blah, 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 or it's like, like acknowledging the nineties of this movie and acknowledging that mm -hmm. they are not in the same headspace as we are. And we're, we are just de facto more enlightened than they are because more time has passed. More history has happened. There's been more time to process. Whereas this was a new, like birdcage was like a new thing for mainstream Hollywood movies. Same like with in and out. Mm -hmm. I don't think in and out was nearly as successful, but this was really successful and got people thinking. Now we're at a stage where we're thinking a lot more intensely about issues like this and how we're supposed to get along. But back then it was just like, let's just tell the story and let's just see if that a basic story gets accepted. So I see your point. And I think yeah. Kelly, you're right. If it was made today, it absolutely would have that insight. Val would have that insight, but I think you're right. It's very nice. Yeah. And I think it, it's really, it's really frustrating to be now and to look back at that and to be like, how insensitive can right. you be? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the frustrating part. And that's the kind of thing where you have to like close one eye when you're, you're seeing certain things where it's like, I wish you knew better, but you didn't. So here we are. Well, speaking of knowing better, let's take a break because it's really hot in here and I know better right. than to pass out. Perfect. <laughs> and welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like cantaloupe talk, but it tastes way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You notice that it's like cantaloupe, cantaloupe, honeydew, very divisive. You know, I hear that when people give birth, you're supposed to bring them fruit afterwards. No, not cantaloupe. <laughs> not cantaloupe. Not Anything cantaloupe. Anything but cantaloupe. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a... Just don't do it. Um, That'll get you thrown out of the room. Rachel, what's our trope talk? What's our trope? Even if it's not trope, what is? what are we talking about today? I want to talk about farces. Okay. So I've been told... That to be considered a farce, you have to have the slamming of doors, sex, oh, sex, sex, okay, mistaken identity, mm -hmm. and there's one more, slamming of doors, sex, mistake, oh, and shouting, <laughs> it's shouting, <laughs> shouting. Okay, so I... how did this movie do as a farce? It's a farce. <laughs> it, it it passed. Yeah, very much so. Okay, slamming of doors. Definitely, even if no door was particularly slammed, I think someone also walking away in a huff is basically a slammed kidding? door. The beginning of the movie with the slamming of doors. Because <laughs> he's true. like, I'm coming in here. And then he's like, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. Totally. Yeah, yep. totally. Okay, and then, and then when sex. He busts, oh, sex. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, there's there's the idea of somebody having sex behind somebody's back. Hank, it doesn't have to be sex, like intercourse. It just, ha it's just sex. So Hank Azaria in a thong 
or oh yeah that <laughs> screen that. sex he looks <laughs> really good in this movie he really does his those those pectorals Ooh. he looks great yeah. there's there's much implication of sex yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of um peni i think is is that the <laughs> yeah, yeah, multiple penis yeah for sure uh-huh <laughs> the the feng shui of the apartment is um very phallic yeah mm-hmm. that's a good way of putting mm-hmm. it it's full of or, life <laughs> or the what was the great it was so great because there was all of their friends were trying to help them decorate the place to make it look like a straight man's apartment <laughs> and what did they say like why is there a bunch of playboy magazines in the bathroom like, <laughs> that's what they, what they read, read. <laughs> <laughs> don't add just subtract <laughs> so so mooseheads wasn't in there sorry what was our third um Shouting. Shouting. There was no. much shouting. There's much shouting. Lots of shouting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then what was our fourth one? Mistaken identity. Oh, yeah. Right there on the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, intentionally mistaken identity, though, right? Like, I mean, that's got to be part of it. Yeah. yeah. No, not yeah. not intentional. Because there's uh, there's basically two people acting as the same person. You have the actual mother, and then you have, well, I right. guess the actual mother. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, and it's a mistake. By the end. It's a mistake because... Uh, there's like a, a note passing between them. Like, don't come, please come, don't come, don't do this. Right, right. And then. So th- these are essential elements to a farce. But if a movie or a play does not, does have all these elements, doesn't necessarily make it a farce. Exactly. Correct. Because uh, uh, I think Much Ado About Nothing passes this. Yeah, I was just thinking that. There's door slamming, there's shouting, there's, there's sex. definitely mistaken identity. There's a lot and of sex. sex in the same token as the mistaken identity. Oh yeah, that's true. On the, the same, same coin, same mm-hmm. coin, and uh, I, I, I guess as you like it in Twelfth Night, probably hit this as well. I mean, probably almost every Shakespeare has some sex, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. and every single one has mistaken identity. Every yeah. single piece of my acting coach probably is just like rolling over if he's hearing this. He's like, "No, not Shakespeare." <laughs> See, for me, what I like about what Birdcage is doing, what I suppose farce does is to use really ridiculous material to still speak very good truths Mm. right which is what farce should be doing right right because that is Uh, the fifth role like or wait a satire or or satire Mm. i I would i was gonna call it a satire but farce feels more correct i think it's considered both i think that i think um mike nichols described it as both yeah yeah, because we're we're getting these characters, and I do think much of this movie is at the conservatives' expense. It's really just kind of chiding them and giving. It's not giving a pass to the other characters, but it's really really making pointed points about conservative America and saying, "Be better, conservative America." And mm. I don't know, characters like Val kind of get off the hook, you know. They really do. Yeah, that's true. Like, you would think that Val would um, be a little bit... He's he's not necessarily a non-character, but he, he's pretty one-note. He's like, I like this girl, and I need you to be there for me, Dad. Well, it's like, to, in today's reading, he's being a bad ally, yeah. right? Yeah, I, but I think on top of that, he's also just... He's being a... Son, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think the movie really satires him. I, I don't think no, it's, it's necessarily about him. Yeah, I think it's what we all do when, I mean, we've all done that to our very loving parents. And yeah, you guys will lack- have that opportunity. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, um, it's like a goofy movie. 
Yes. Yeah. Where he just doesn't treat a goof, you know, the way he should. Yeah. And uh, then he realizes the goof is is great at the end, but our our character doesn't do that. Yeah. What makes me a little sad about this movie is that how it was made in 1996 or whatever. Six, yeah. And how still 100% accurate is about the polemics in this country of conservatives and not conservatives. And it's like, nothing's changed. In fact, it's just gotten worse. And I thought we're supposed to get better. Or it's at least gotten even more vocal. Yeah. It's gotten louder. Yeah. So yeah, good, uh, good writing by, by, like, so again, I haven't seen the, the original version of this, but was this also perhaps a conversation in France just many years earlier? I don't know. I mean, hmm. yes, obviously. Yes. I mean, was. they're, they're friends. The French are mar- more advanced than us sexually, like, and, like always. So yeah. they're probably getting to all of the conversations earlier too. Yeah. Um, the, the French one that was in the seventies, right? Yeah. 79. Yeah. Occasion. Yeah. It was in 73. And then, uh, what's his face? Oh, come on, Rachel. Uh, Harvey, Harvey Firestein. Oh, uh, he wrote the book. I just learned this, that when you write a musical, there's somebody that writes the music and somebody write, that writes the script slash the book. Right. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the book, La Cage of Faux. And so this, the musical for La Cage of Faux in, ni- in the eighties, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was it was working its way. It was it was it was in America. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then then Elaine May and Mike Nichols did. So Elaine May did the script, and Mike Nichols directed. And Elaine May and Mike Nichols were like a comedy duo in but New they York. Did, yeah, they did like live comedy. Right? Yeah, they did yeah. live theater comedy, and like Mike Nichols has a really accomplished film career. He did The Graduate and a bunch of other great movies, but he's also got a very accomplished Broadway career. And so that really shows in this movie is that it does feel like a play, but in all the best ways. Because like when you watch a movie like Fences with Denzel Washington, it's like, okay, so you guys just like took a set, filmed on it, and that's it. Like it just feels so interior, but this feels contained in a way that's like a good bottle episode of a sitcom where it's like feels theater, but not bad. Where there's like, there's three main locations being the conservative like couple's house then the club and then the apartment above the club. And every once in a while they'll go outside like to the beach or to, you know, the, the mom's uh, place of work or to a restaurant or something, but it's, they're not traveling a lot. It feels, it feels, I don't know. It's not, it's not, it's not rear window, but it definitely feels contained. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think before we get to other segments, I do want to say I very much like this movie, but I do wonder if it's supposed to just be catnip for people to make them feel better about the divisiveness and doesn't actually do anything to bring people together as much as it just says, it sucks that we're really divided. I think that it does bring people together because I think, um, I mean, I couldn't stop listening to that song for the past two days. <laughs> and and regardless of, um, okay, I can't say that it brings people together, but how it made me feel at the end was to say, maybe I should consider something. Maybe I need to remember that my perspective is limited and there are other ways to do something and there are other ways to be. And uh, that's what makes this world pretty interesting and creative and 
and I don't know, worth it. Um, I really loved at the end when uh, Gene Hackman's character is so upset as uh, like, you know, a bulked up Betty White. And uh, <laughs> he's so sad because he's like, I told I told him not to dress me in white. Like nobody want I don't look good in white. Nobody wants to dance <laughs> with the, like I just it makes me look fat. And he's like sensitive about it. Like everybody is who has to wear mm-hmm. white. Like we're all <laughs> white is a rare color that looks like good on rare people. Mm-hmm. And and it was just like, yeah, I don't like anything about your character, but I really I understand this and I feel you. And then Nathan Lane's character like goes up and dances with him. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. something about that. Like, yeah, we're pretty crappy most of the time, but don't forget that sometimes we're really wonderful to each other too. Uh, Especially when we don't have to be. Mm-hmm. I, I think the ending of this movie really puts the stamp in my agreeing with Rachel that it does at least do a little bit of saying, look, we can not only be in the same room, maybe we're on opposite sides of the aisle uh-huh. where they got married, uh-huh. but it's the younger generation that's going to carry us together. And right. then, like, I, I think that's, I mean, besides giving giving voice and making, like, the main two characters of a film, like, uh, an older gay couple, which you don't see a lot in mm-hmm. the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't see a lot these days. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that not only that happened, but in addition to that, at the end of the story, like, we got what seems to be a part of two separate French films in an epilogue moment. It's it's like, yeah, we're all here. We're all together. Yeah, a lot of you old biddies might not understand what's going on on the other side of the aisle, but the kids do, and that's really what matters. Yeah. Um, but do you think Gene Hackman's character grew from this experience? Is he going to grow? Is he going to change his tune as a politician or as a person, as a human? Is, is he going to change? That. Yeah. Yeah. No, know. they do give us the fact, though, that regardless of, and I think that's a really important sta- piece, too, that regardless of what somebody's views, beliefs, political agenda is, regardless, you know, who they are in your life, people get to make their own decisions and um, change does still come. Yeah. They still got married. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> who knows? I think the promise of that is who knows how that's going to affect all of them in the long run. Yeah. Hopefully. I do believe though, that seeing as after one, that Gene, Gene Hackman's character did dress in drag and two was relieved when Nathan Lane's character danced with him, mm-hmm. that he must've changed. And then you at know, least a little. a little bit, because yeah. he wouldn't have dressed as drag earlier in the movie. No, he no. wouldn't have done that. he, he still probably didn't wasn't crazy about having to do it, but at least was did it did it did it in the first mm-hmm. place. So that's enough. And then went to the wedding, walked his daughter down the aisle, and invited all of his conservative friends and you know yeah friends. So yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe he changed. Maybe he did. Yeah, and the 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 fact that the movie's theme song is "We Are Family" is just. The best we're going to get is we're not going to change each other's minds about each other, but we are going to love each other in spite of the misunderstanding that we seem to be having. But we're still going to love each other, even though it's really hard. And to give a point to the future, uh, at the time in the 90s, all the at least Democrat political figures were also kind of still like, well, marriage is between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And none of those (laughs) 
Democrats at least are saying that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so there, at least it's political change. Yeah. All right. I sorry. mean, yeah, Mike Nichols' next movie after this, wasn't it Primary Colors? Yes, yeah. with Elaine yeah. May. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, speaking of uh, long-term change, uh, Ryan, what do we have over... What What is that that you have next to you? What's that, that piece of paper over there? Oh. Uh, oh, oh. I, oh uh, crazy. Um, let's see. Oh, jeez. Oh, let me see. It's a scroll. Uh, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's bedazzled too. There's it's, there's so many so many sequins on it. It's a it's, it's so a third century BC scroll. <sighs> Hold on, let me wait. Oh, here we go. Okay. I mean it's fabulous for being from the third century. Yeah. It's got sparkles <laughs> yeah, on it. Shape. It says from it, sorry, it's an Egyptian. So just give okay, me a so hieroglyphs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's been a while. Can I see your glasses? <clears throat> oh, thank you. Mm. Uh, mm. Okay, side note. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but they actually just shared glasses. They didn't have to, but for the sake of commitment, they did. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, I, yeah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> it says it's from F. You guys, F. F. You guys. Train oh, man. is that? Is that? It's the train man. It's the train man. It's the train man. I thought that might have been ancient Egyptian. I, love I just wasn't understanding. <laughs> he says he's in Egypt, and wow. he 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 was digging. With Brendan Fraser. What? Brendan Fraser, one of the, n- the world's n- nicest humans. Yes, they were looking for mummies. Wow. And he found your Patreon essay. Wow, real it odd was, couple discovery. It was stuck down there in the dirt and he chipped. Well, that was from when I was traveling with the doctor, so I, I accidentally left it. Sometimes wow. you do that with your essays. You take them you take them on road trips and you accidentally leave them places. <laughs> and your essay is on the blurred line between friendship and love. Yes, yes it is. And it talks about one of our favorite movies, mm-hmm. With Nail and I. With Nail and I. A, a movie about best friends in 1960s England, produced by a Beatle, George Harrison. George Harrison, indeed. Mm-hmm. And is a comedy about these guys who are such good friends that they may not realize that they're also in love with each other at the same time. Yes. And uh, if you, I I won't uh, spoil the essay and I definitely won't spoil the movie, but if you guys are interested in watching something that is definitely of its time, because it's 1987, it has a lot of subtext about maybe one of these friends loving the other and maybe vice versa. I mean, there's a little bit of um, like, there's a, I, there's a little bit of gay panic in it where um, I just want to like throw that out there before you go to this movie because one of the characters definitely encroaches upon another character and he's an older gay character. Mm-hmm. But it it really also has so much more to say beyond that that is, I think, very interesting and subtextual and in, I think possibly intended by Bruce Robinson, the director. So I don't know. Ryan and I really like it. It's best enjoyed on a Saturday morning with maybe maybe a little bit of a hangover. Or an artificial hangover. You can stay up really late the night before and get up really early in the morning. Sure. I like watching nice. it at like 5.45 in the morning. Right. Uh, lots of eggs. Lots of... Um, Bacon, coffee. Some cider with uh, ice chips in it. It's and if it's raining good. outside, oh, even, even better. Oh, oh man, gosh. <laughs> but it, it's extremely relatable because Kelly and I are best... Are in love. <laughs> are oh. we're, best, <laughs> we're best friends and we... Our coworkers on this podcast and on other things, and we have to have check-in relationship conversations that not even the guys in Withnail and I have, but Kelly and I have to have like uh, state of the relationship things of like, hey, 
when you did that thing, you know, that doesn't work for me. So in the future, can you please do this and stuff like that? Uh-huh. So yeah, very relatable. Yeah. And I mean, we, we have our lives a little bit more together than these two dudes, yeah. but. <laughs> but that's on our Patreon. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Patreon, check out our Patreon. It's, it's a fun place to be. There's weekly essays. There's bonus episodes posted, uh, as of now is our episode on the first season of Gilmore Girls. Actually, as of a week ago. Oh, today. a week ago. Yeah, so this, this it's is been out for a little while. Yeah. So go watch the first uh, season of Gilmore Girls and then listen to us talk about it. <laughs> I think I think we are going to cover every season. Oh, you think so? I think we'll do it. Oh, you think so? Oh, I think so. Rachel, have you seen Gilmore Girls? Get Rachel. on it. Some, some. some. <laughs> Get on I've it. Seen some. I've seen some. Get on it. It's on Netflix. All, all the seasons. So check, uh, check it can out. Can I tell you guys about something that's frustrating me so much? Mm. Me Star not Trek. watching Gilmore Girls? <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Besides that, geez. Sorry. They just took Star Trek off Netflix. Boo. Uh, not well, a problem for We a were guy. right in the middle of Voyager. Um Wow. Anyway, so besides that, we also have a October movie poll where if you join up and please join up, we need one more patron for us to make our, our bonus episode theme song. Yeah, one more. One more. You can be that person to make us compose music. Do and it. trust me, you want to hear it. Ryan's a drummer. I play do piano. It. We could definitely do it. Yeah. You Sarah's can, a singer. It. Do it. <laughs> do it. Um, what, what are our movies this month? So it's October, so it's time for something spooky. We've got, <laughs> we've got the Zomcom Warm Bodies. We've got Practical Magic. We've got So I Married an Axe Murderer. And then for something really scary, The Devil Wears Prada. That's a terrifying movie. I, I would warn anybody who's not really into horror to stay away from that one. Yeah, Devil Wears Prada is pretty intense, very satanic. But yeah, vote for that because currently winning, I'm sorry, Rachel, but the current winner is Practical Magic, yep. not So I Married an Axe Murderer. Woman. <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> so join Patreon to help Rachel out so we can watch her favorite movie, So I Married an Axe Murder. But we'd have to have two votes because it would have to at least tie Practical Magic and then get one more vote past it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you can follow that math, go ahead and go on over to <laughs> patreon.com slash romcom gents. Um, I- Hello. I guess that person's going. <laughs> you don't have to actually take a car. <laughs> Get out of the car. The internet exists online. <laughs> Kelly, we've given out love. We've given oh, out awards. But tell right. me. We do need a rom-com Oscar. <laughs> wow. That was amazing. Sorry, Rachel's on the show. It gives me more energy. <laughs> so, so amazing. <laughs> Um, let's ask our, do you want our guest to go in for? Yeah, go Rachel, go first. You go first. What's, if what's you your know what Oscar? You remember last time when I was like, oh, I didn't think of this. Did you, <laughs> <laughs> did you repeat the same mistake? Ryan, Ryan repeats this again. almost every episode. I do it every episode. week. Don't I never think about it. it. All right. Uh, rom-com Oscar. Did, was there any actual Oscars for this movie? Um, yes. There was. <clears throat> Looking Oscar. it up. Seven, oh, nominated for one Oscar. Um, uh, best art slash set direction nominee. That's the only Oscar nominee. Okay. Yeah. However, it did win best performance by a cast at Screen Actors Guild. Okay. Um, yeah, not a lot. Okay. 
Well, I mean, a lot of awards, just none. none well, I've none got Oscars. one, Rachel, if you need, need to think still. Yeah, you, you go. You go. Okay, I'm going to give best, uh, I guess, I guess lead to Nathan Lane. Oh, all yeah. right. Best actor. Is it lead or supporting? What would we, what would we call it? In this? I think. I think, I, think oh, I got low battery. <laughs> uh, Guys, we have to be quick. Okay. <laughs> best lead, Nathan Lane. Okay. Because Nathan Lane is tremendous in this movie. Agreed. Wonderful. Agreed. Wonderful. Rachel? Best, um, best lobster. Best that best. lobster was putting in 110%. Yeah, I, I thought that with the way his, like, he, the he, tail flipped. he entered the scene. I've never seen mm-hmm. a lobster enter so well, mm-hmm. the way that he left. I mean, everything. Knew his objective. His lighting. He yep. knew his objective. He knew the story. He knew Hit the, the moment. Mark. Like, yeah, best, uh, best lobster. Best lobster. Okay, Kelly. Yeah, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to also, just because I really want this to earn two, I'm going to give it best other lead. Oh. With Robin Williams. Oh, Ooh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Because I do think there's more screen time for Robin Williams overall, mm-hmm. and there's just more, more to, to, to be done, mm-hmm. Robin Williams. But yeah, he's not chewing as much scenery, but he's definitely doing a lot. Yeah, like um, yeah. I really do think the two of them deserve it for this movie, and we don't really hand those out very often. So good job. Yeah, good job, kids. Good job, guys. <laughs> I'm and glad good job, you, lobster. You finally. Let's, let's really not you know poo poo on the lobster. I'm just really they glad that work. Robin Williams is finally getting recognized for his work yeah me too you know? it's really been too long just totally Gosh. totally underrated everybody skipped him yeah no one knows well you know we gave some Oscars we gave some wait <laughs> <laughs> we like our lobsters but uh, is there any people that we would fall in love in this movie are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. And you can't say lobster. Yeah, lobsters. Damn it. No lobsters. Right out. But he was so Right good. out. Um, yeah, I think I have, to, oh, well, who do you guys fall in love with? No, you can go first. No, I'll, I'll go, go first. first. Okay, I, I went last on first. the other one. Okay. I, I, I think I'm definitely actually going to go for Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. I think, um, he, he has that kind of groundedness that I enjoy. He seems very much in charge and yet he has an unending sense of patience at the same time where he, he'll take it and take it and take it and then be like, no, I need to stand up for for myself or what needs to happen right here, mm-hmm. either Nathan Lane or his son. And there's such a bone of kindness in him that um, yeah. that I think shines in this movie. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go for for him. Plus that hairy chest, just can't get over it. <laughs> mm, the mustache, mm. man, she so was ri- sweaty. What's what's his uh, his his like ex lover's name? Um, Val's mom. Man, she was going after his chest. Ooh, that was yeah. like, what was the intent in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> who who can blame her? Rachel. Uh, yeah, I think I I think I would fall in love with Robin Williams too. I think there was just like the well, but it's hard because there's all Nathan. I think I am Nathan Lane in the relationship mm-hmm. between me and mm-hmm. Matt. Mm-hmm. Like I think I am very much Nathan Lane's character. Um. But I think that's why I would fall in love with Robin Williams, especially like that scene on the bench 
they're just some some what what did he say he said something like um it a place is a place like it's not if yeah. you're not there it's it's not home yeah. like that like that moment of just like yeah if somebody loves me like that like i i'm fortunate that i do have somebody that loves mm. me like that mm-hmm. um then yeah he, what a wonderful crazy person to be in a relationship with <laughs> um <laughs> I'm going to go with I'm falling in love with Albert. Mm. Which I don't usually fall in love with a high maintenance character like Albert. You really don't. Because Albert is high maintenance. No matter how you cut it. A couple weeks ago, you did fall in love with Christina Milian um, from Falling Falling in in love. Love. And I think she's definitely the most high maintenance in that movie. Sure. He was high maintenance, but it was a role. It wasn't like he was high maintenance... um, in his home life. Like he was, when he was getting like amped up or like, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. Everything else, he was super um, motherly, like taking right. laundry out of like. <laughs> but that's not why I'm, I, it's not the, oh, like, sorry, the mother on. quality. <laughs> go on. But there is, there is some pathos to Albert, which makes me endeared to Albert and want to mm-hmm. care for him, care mm-hmm. and take care of. And, that's not the dynamic that me and Sarah have. We're very like equal. Like when one of us is down, the other one's there to pick us up. But I think mm. a lot of the time Albert needs that. Cause like what's great about Robin Williams is that he's very much Albert's director too, where he's got to like really give the pep talk of like, you're going to go on stage. You're going to do great. We've done the rehearsal. Yeah. And like, we see them like during rehearsals, like mm-hmm. how Robin Williams really has to work with them. <laughs> that, that scene where at one point in time, like Albert starts talking and, <laughs> And he's he's really frustrated with his co-star on on stage, and uh, Robin Williams says, uh, "Like, honey, I'm working." And then Albert's like, "Okay." And then uh, I, like Robin Williams says something like, "I hear you saying okay," <laughs> and it's like such a couple thing where they're they're like yeah. they've obviously done this back and forth a million times so that they have mm-hmm. shorthand. Yeah, so I think I'd enjoy that dynamic. Mm. I think I'd really yeah. enjoy it. So. Robin, when she saw Nathan Lane going over the old like baby pictures book, she was like, I'm going to be Albert. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, oh that's it. so cute. Um, well, that's the birdcage mm. for next week. It's oh, yeah. A little <laughs> tricky. So I'm definitely going to have a baby next week. I'm not going to be so, able to yeah, be on the episode. It's October 2nd mm-hmm. while we're recording this. Um, your wife is due as of today and she is going to be induced no matter what on the seventh, like the seventh would be the day she gets induced. So you're going to have a baby at the latest, the seventh ish Mm -hmm. by then. So yeah, the next, next week it's going to be me and Sarah, no Kelly. What are you going to be doing? So she threw out some movies and can I pick? Um, cause I, I already told her that she could pick. I'm well, sorry. hold on, hold on, hold on. But what if it's one of my favorite movies? Wouldn't you want to be on it? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, you're not going to be on it though. That's what I'm saying. So if she, you said she has a, a range of films and I, I, I X-nade certain films oh. cause she's like, she's like, can we do ever after? I'm like, absolutely not. No, no. That's one of Kelly's favorites. Okay. So we can't do so it. That's one of my favorites gonna... too. <laughs> Yay. High five, high five, high five, high um, We might do, I think it's Penelope, the one with Christina Ricci. Oh yeah. I'm not oh. in the pig noses. That's fine. Yeah. So no, we... no, I'm just joking. That's the whole point of the movie. She's beautiful throughout. I'm just yeah, joking. So we might do that. We might do something else. So it'll be a surprise because oh, Sarah still needs to pick, but it'll be Sarah's choice. Okay. And you'll get the story of me and Sarah. 
we've heard that on the podcast. Get it again. (laughs) Uh, Rachel, thank you for guesting with us. It's always a pleasure. Um, Guest host, best host. Where can people keep up with you on the internet? Um, you know, on the social medias, on Rachel Perel Foskett uh, for the Instagrams and the Twitter. I don't really do Twitter anymore. Mm, I barely do Facebook. But you're on the Insta. Um, I'm on the Insta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can find me there. She's good follow. I, I, I like following Rachel. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, any any projects or anything to speak of yet? Or uh, Yeah, there's a couple few in the works, um, but they're in the works. <laughs> <laughs> anything you're working on at the moment? I'm like working personally. on my scripts because of my good buddies are helping me with my scripts. Thank yeah. you guys. If you, shout out if anybody needs, uh, I mean, they're really busy. They're about, one of them is a dad and one of them is about to be a dad. But if you can, if you can get one of them before next week, they're brilliant script editors. Mm. <laughs> oh, aw, thank well, you. I mean, you give us good stuff to read. All right. Well, I love both of you so much. I love both of you so much. I love you both so much. And your wives and your babies. And our cats. And we love love your lobster. And we love your lobster. Thanks, buddies. (laughs) And maybe these guys. Ladies. Oh, Uh, ask the pup. Does Ask the Pup still have an Instagram? Heck yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, so follow Rachel's dog on Instagram. Ask the Pup. Ask the Pup. Get at it. Well, okay. Thanks for everything, and I love you all. Bye. Bye. Love you. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. We'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide to Romcoms. Kelly's long underwear game is so surprising to me. He always wears it on days where I'm like, I thought those were for like Alaska days, where it's, it's like if it's under seventy, I like them. Under seventy degrees, he wears the long johns. Not always.